Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is yet another episode of Kente Corner, Casual Hoya podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. You can find me at Bobby Bancroft on Twitter. And believe it or not, we started the show in July, and the season seemed so, so far away. But it's now time to do our first preview of the season. Hoyas open up with Mount St. Mary's on Wednesday, November 6th. And I have with you today a special guest, Adam Pohl. He is the play-by-play voice of the Mountaineers. And he also, in the offseason, does the Bowie Bay Sox. So he's a very experienced pro. Adam, what is up? Hey, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. As you know, the Mount plays Loyola in Maryland every year. They call it the Catholic Clash. But, you know, this is the third time. This is my eighth year of doing the Mount. This will be my third time doing a Mount Georgetown game. Um, which is for me kind of really cool. I grew up a big Hoya fan uh, as a kid, and uh, for for Mountain St. Mary's in Georgia, they're the two oldest Catholic institutions in the nation. So, so uh, a good way to to get the season going. Not to age you or anything, but you mentioned you're a Hoya <laughs> fan. Who um who are some of your favorites growing up? Okay, so I I you know th- to be honest. I think John Thompson changed my life, right? Because wow, uh, I I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, and okay. I, I, I I used I to live there. A, okay, good. And I was a, I, in a musical family, so you got to hear me out here. Okay. So I knew I was going to be a music major in college. University of Maryland has an outstanding music school, and uh, I you know I applied, I got into Maryland, but I had no real tie because I was such an athletic you know guy like such a huge sports fan. Okay. So uh, Georgetown was my team. So I, so I ended up not going to Maryland. I ended up going down south to uh, Carolina, to UNC. And so many of my best friends, I met my wife there. You just, I started thinking like, if I grew up rooting, uh, instead of, uh, you know, Patrick Ewing and, and Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo, if I, if I was more of a Len Bias guy, my whole life would have been different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, it's pretty... I think most Georgetown fans listening to this will be happy you didn't go to University of Maryland. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, like I said, it's you know it's coming up. It's next week at the time we're recording this. We're about a week away. Um, yeah. Just checking out Mount St. Mary's. This is the second year under coach Dan Engelstad. Is that is that correct? Yeah, correct, correct. Yes. And last year, obviously, took a little bit of a step back from what Mountaineer fans have been used to seeing which you sort of expect with a new coach and try and play a different way. This year, you guys are picked seventh in the preseason poll in the NEC and no guys on the first team. What's sort of, you know, for Georgetown fans that aren't totally familiar with Mount St. Mary's, although they have played each other a lot recently, as you mentioned, what's sort of, who are the guys to look out for? You know, it's interesting because the Mount and Georgetown played two years ago, but there really isn't a player on the Mount that uh, right now is a part of, of that team from two years ago from Mount St. Mary's. Looking back a little bit further, uh, what has happened to these teams uh, at, at what we would consider lower D1 conferences, uh, teams that really would be 15 or 16 seeds if they made the NCAA tournament, is that you're seeing a lot of up transferring. You know, and, and Rodney Pryor, Ahoya, uh, right. came from uh, the Mount League in the NEC, Robert Morris, which is really Mount St. Mary's biggest rival in the conference. Those are probably the two best um, uh, be- best uh, programs in the NEC if you look over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, so what happened with the Mount was, you know, the Mount two years or three years ago now, 2017, went to the NCAA tournament, 
uh, they were, you know, outstanding that year, first in the conference, uh, ran through, they went 18-4 and four in NEC play altogether, including the conference tournament. Uh, but then they had three of their top six players up transfer. One went to Miami, uh, one went to uh, Kansas State, and one went to Texas. Uh, and the three other players that were left were all seniors the following year. So okay. uh, what ended up happening is that's when the Mount last played Georgetown early uh, in what was Patrick Ewing's first year. And you had some really good players like Junior Robinson, who's been a very good pro in Spain. Uh, and, and also Chris Ray, who was a real athletic, unusual ball player. And the Mount came in second place that year, but really they had another bevy of transfers, up transfers. Uh, they've got a kid, Jonah Antonio, that was a freshman against Georgetown that year. That's now at UNLV. A guy named Bobby Planudis is now at St. Bonaventure. So the Mount has lost so much talent. And when Dan Engelstad came in last year, he was looking at a lineup uh, that was basically returning about three points per game from the year prior. Wow. So the Mount was in a full rebuild, and almost everybody in the rotation was either a freshman or a redshirt freshman. Uh, even this year, there's not a senior on the team as far as that will be in the main rotation. Uh, and, and for Mount St. Mary's, uh, the big thing was last season was a year of implementing a new style with a bunch of players that have never played collegiate basketball before, especially together. And uh, they really fared okay, especially down the stretch. You know, they won nine games in the season. Uh, they hung in there in a lot of their non-conference games uh, and because uh, the Mount always plays a very tough schedule in the non-conference. And then uh, for Mount St. Mary's, uh, they won four of their last six games. So this season's going to be interesting. I mean, Ken Palm has been out fifth in the NEC, which is in 11 team leagues, and, and the preseason poll from the coaches had them seventh. So they're looked upon as kind of a middle-of-the-pack Northeast Conference team uh, that's really going to be led by some sophomores and, and, and really you're looking at two players, well, a few that stand out, but the two sophomores right away are Vado Morris, who's a local product from Bullis, and uh, he was an enormous uh, you know, high school school and led them out in scoring last season. Really stood out, though, more so in the second half of the year uh, in uh, conference play. Have to wonder if that was because of the maturation as a freshman or because of playing a little bit of a lower, you know, talented player after the Mounts playing a bunch of big schools prior. And then the second one is probably the best big uh, that the Mounts have, the most talented big uh, in, in my time, about a decade or so, at Mount St. Mary's. And his name's Malik Jefferson. Uh, he, he's a guy that could easily start right now, I think, at an A-10 level. Um, Jefferson is a sophomore. And, uh, boy, I mean, the question is, can he stay out of foul trouble against the big schools? But, but he'll be one of those players that looks the part. So – Usually the formula for schools like Mount St. Mary's and you would obviously know is guard play, right? So right. between Vado and who else is coming off, the, who else is going to be playing with him that, you know, Georgetown, obviously McClung and Akinjo, that's sort of, you know, the face of the program, although they've got a transfer from NC State. What, I'm, I'm, what's that? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, the Hoyas have got some really good young guards and uh, that's going to be fun to watch Jalen Gibbs is the other guard that really stands out for the mount uh Jalen Gibbs is more of a slasher than a shooter even though I mean he'll he'll take his three-point shots but he's a guy that really gets out in transition is not afraid to go right to the rack uh Gibbs is a junior this season uh and he played his freshman year at Drake uh came off the bench for Drake and then transferred to the mount and got a waiver 
uh, so didn't have to sit out a year and last season uh, led the mountain scoring in the non-conference. Uh, so he'll be uh, now in his second year as a starter. And you got to look, if, if the Mount can hang a little bit with the Hoyas, they're going to have to give a lot early in the game uh, from both Votto Morris, uh, the sophomore, you know, a shooting guard, and then a guy that will play the two or three there in Jalen Gibbs. So in not getting a chance to see you guys last year, like you said, we they, they faced off in Ewing's first year, and, you know, a lot of that's completely changed. Under the new coach, do you guys like to play up tempo? I mean, what's what what's sort of the style? You know, it's so funny because uh, Jamie and Christian, who's now at George Washington, was uh, the previous coach of the Mount. Uh, coach Christian, in his first few years at Mount St. Mary's, including the team that made it to the 2014 NCAA tournament, played about as unconventional a style. I think I remember uh, you, Bobby, being in the game at George Mason back in the day. That we that was won, a, that was a know, huge. That was probably one of their one of their biggest wins, right? It was a dunk at the buzzer, and yeah. that was still the era of, of just run and gun. They took so many threes. They really pressed. In the last few years, though, uh, the mount got, uh, you know, the guards got bigger. And so with that, they were a little bit slower. They weren't pressing as much. They played a little bit more conventionally uh, for the 2017 team. And, and the 18 team, if the mount didn't lose, those three up transfers would have been the best mount team in, in school history, which is saying something with the great career of Jim Phelan prior. But, I mean, for Mount St. Mary's, uh, it, it, it's funny because it seems unconventional, but really they played such a conventional style. Uh, and I think it's a great half-court offense that they run, really a free-flowing offense. They feed the post a lot more, so you'll see uh, guys get back to the bucket play. And they've got some more uh, guys that are bigger and, and, and tougher down low than they did five or six years ago when they were really running gun and, and just got dominated on the glass. So they're going to rebound better uh, than Mount teams have done in the past. And one guy that stands out for me in that regard, uh, this guy might be the sleeper or, or the, you know, the, the X factor for the Mount this season as it plays out. But uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, Nana Apoku. He's from Northern Virginia, uh, Potomac, and uh, – Good boy, he is long, and he's put on 30 or 40 pounds in his time at the Mount, and he's just one of those guys, and I know so many programs have it, where it's like, you know, if he takes that big step, because he was a guy that averaged three points per game last year, but he could be a dominant player in the NEC, I mean, he's the guy that when he dunks, his head is at the rim, and he's got big, you know, high D1 athleticism, and it's going to be fun to see if he can uh, play a little bit more aggressively this year and get into the flow of the games, especially against high-level and high-major opponents like Georgetown. So speaking of, okay, so playing against high-level opponents, obviously schools like Mountain St. Mary's have to do that. And the schedule this year for you guys doesn't look as daunting. You don't have, I think last year was it eight <laughs> straight to start the season on the road, something like that, yeah, nine yeah, straight, like, something know, like that. Yeah, I think. And, I, you know, a few years ago, the, the year that the Mount did beat George Mason was that year, which, I mean, it was an unbelievable trip. This year's going to be quite a bit, but um, but but you're right. It's a little bit different, and I like the way the Mount's doing it, meaning they're basically going to play all the big boys in November, and then in December they're going to play a lot of games right around the state of Maryland against schools that are a lot like them, the Navies, the Howards, the Americans, Loyola's, Coppin State. And I think that'll – be a great adjustment, you know, to, to play against the big boys early and then get get to really kind of hone it in as you, as you go into conference play to playing teams that are a little bit more like yourself. 
So it's next week, opening night. What would have to be going right? What would, ha- what would Mount St. Mary's have doing well to in the second half, let's say at the under 12, it's still in the balance or it's still within, you know, sing- it's still within 10 points. You know, I, I know that Georgetown, like you talked about, I mean, the Hoyas, uh, all the talk is about their guard play. Uh, but for a team like Mount St. Mary's, you know, the Mount is not a great three-point shooting team, this incarnation of them. Uh, but once again, they're a pretty strong team on the front line compared to Mount teams in the past. So I, I think they've got to force jump shots. They've got to hope that the Hoyas are a little bit off from the perimeter. And, and they've got to get, you know, rebounds. They've got to make it one and done because what happens so often in games like this, it, it's tough to run your offense in the half court against a, a team that is bigger and stronger and more physical than you are. The Mount's still, once again, a very young team, uh, basically loaded with sophomores and juniors. And uh, the question is, can you hang in early, gain some confidence, and give it a go? And that, that's what Mount St. Mary's did last year against St. John's. I mean, uh, they had a guy Barnes, so was, uh, you know, the, the kind of player that can score 25 and then, you know, you don't see him do anything for five straight games. And he did that against St. John's. He scored, he scored, hit three or four threes in the first, you know, eight minutes of the game. And, 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 and all of a sudden the Mount was uh, winning, you know, halfway through the second half by one point. So that's what they got to do. They got to gain some confidence and uh, they've got to keep the Hoyas in front of them and rebound the ball. And the last thing, I guess, with that being said, is I think Malik Jefferson is the key to that. He's the Mount Center I spoke of before, and yeah. uh, he's a guy that can pick up fouls. I mean, if he picks up two quickies in the first four or five minutes of the game, there's really nobody like him the Mount can put in there. So you guys got Kentucky in a couple weeks after Georgetown. Since, since you've been there, what's been the biggest non-conference win or what is and or and also what has sort of been the longest you've stayed in a game where that upset almost happened against one of the big boys? Ooh, that's a good question. So the biggest non-conference wins the Mount has not had one of those you know great wins, but but uh, the one we talked about that they've beaten their actually two and zero against the Atlantic Ten, which is interesting in my that's time good. because they beat <laughs> yeah they beat George Washington. Uh, back when GW was playing extremely well, you know, uh, six seven years ago, and, and then do you think and, we'll and see that? We'll, do you think we'll see that on the uh, schedule anytime soon? No, that would be something, wouldn't? Of course, Jamie yeah. and Dan Engelstad. I mean, they're very close, and and, and uh, Jamie and is a Mount grad. I, it'd be interesting to see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens down the road uh, yeah. for certain, but uh, but it, it would almost be a surprise to me if it doesn't happen. Uh, okay. To be honest, but but I'll tell you this, uh, you know, for Mount St. Mary's that year uh, that the Mount started out and won just one game in the first ten, uh, they were actually one and eleven to start the year, but they lost so many close games uh, against big opponents. You know, we were trailing to Arkansas by five points. That was the Arkansas team uh, that lost, that almost upset North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and North Carolina made the run to the championship, and. Um, and Arkansas had them beat, you know, with four minutes left in the second half, and it just kind of fell apart for them. Okay. Uh, that Arkansas team, the Mount was down by five with five minutes left. Uh, and there were so many examples, you know, like that. Uh, probably the closest, though, and this is not a big one, the Mount, the Mount was beating Penn State for 39 minutes. That's, uh, that, that, def- that definitely qualifies. Seconds. 
<laughs> but it's a Big Ten game. That was five or six years ago. Absolutely. Where, uh, it, it, it felt like the end of Penn State's season. I mean, their fans didn't clap <laughs> for 39 minutes, and then they just walked out shaking their heads like, I can't believe we just beat them out by four. Yeah. Were, were you were you there when – I think there was a really close game you guys had with Maryland in the beginning of the decade? You know what? That was right before I started. And the interesting okay, thing sorry, was, sorry. You know, that, that was when Maryland was – or when the Mount was really struggling. I mean, that was a single – that was like a seven or eight win Mount season, and they almost beat Maryland. Of course, probably though, you know, with us talking about this, and it's especially great to bring this up here, is that Mount St. Mary's uh, was winning in the second half as a 16 seed the year before UNBC won. You know, the Mount got out to a 10 to lead. They led for the entire first half. Oh, yeah. Villanova, the, the overall number one at 17, and Villanova. Uh, uh, DiVincenzo uh, just killed us, and he's yeah. Georgetown knows all about him. Yeah, he, uh, he scored to end the half to give them their first lead. They had a players-only meeting that Jay Ray was standing in the hallway for half of the halftime, and <laughs> and they came out and the Mount scored the first basket of the second half. So you need to take a picture of the scoreboard, but but um, but that was that was exciting, obviously because. Uh, the, the excitement of the possibility of being the first 16th seed to win was there. And Villanova was a team, of course, that won the championship the year before and would win the year after, which, uh, to be honest, Bobby, this is the craziest Mount stat of all time. Okay. Mount St. Mary's has made the 64 in the tournament four times. They made the NCAA tournament five times, but they lost in Dayton uh, in one of those times in 2014. But in the four times they made the 64, they were always a 16 seed. And the team they lost to won the national championship the next year. So you want to take some credit for that, I suppose. How random is that? And I found <laughs> it out the night that we that we lost to Villanova because one of the Mount's big fans and boosters uh, this was in the 2017 NCAA tournament. Uh, Send out a tweet that said, "Congrats to the 2018 uh, national champion Villanova Wildcats." And I, I didn't get it. I, I reached yeah. out to him like, "What do you mean?" And of course, that ended up happening, uh, which was a fourth straight time that the team did not lost to won the title the next year. Really bizarre. Well, let's hope that um, at least you know the Georgetown listeners here that we're obviously catering right. to the next time That's Georgetown gets into the tournament. Here. As a one seed, you want to play Mount St. Mary's. Yes. Yes, you'll be 2021 champions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so since I don't know how many people listening really know a lot about Mount St. Mary's, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you be the unofficial ambassador right now, um, how big of a game do you think this is? Because it's not too, too far away to play one of, the, one of the bigger schools. Is this something that the fan base has embraced, and do they try and get down there to, uh, I was, I was going to say Verizon Center, but now it's Capital One Arena? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so, definitely. You know, this is one of the games where, like, when we're on a road trip, I, I, I'm not going to ask for any tickets or friends or family of my own, you know, from the Mount, because there's yeah. going to be a big contingent. I mean, when the Mount played in the tournament two years ago in Villanova, there were more Mount students and fans there than Villanova people. Of course, the 116 game for Villanova is not really that important, but but it was just unbelievable. And then, of course, the whole crowd survey for the Mount on top of that. But Mount St. Mary's has got uh, by far the best fan uh, base in the Northeast Conference. It's a very small school. I mean, you're talking about a school of about 2,000 uh, students. But with that being saying, uh, with that being said, obviously, you can argue that Jim Phelan 
the uh, 49-year head coach at the Mount, uh, right. is, is, you know, through the 2003 season, you, you, you can say he might be one of the top 10 to 15 coaches in the history of NCAA basketball. You oh, know, of course. The, the, the Mount, yeah, the Mount won the Division II title in 1962. They were a D2 power, and uh, really part of his great legacy is not only integrating the university, uh, not just the basketball team, but the university. And the first uh, African-American student was Fred Carter, uh, who's the greatest basketball player in Mount history as far as his career, because he was on the 76ers in the 70s. Right. And, um, you know, and then, you know, you just push it forward, the ability right at the twilight of his career uh, for uh, Coach Phelan to not only leave them out into Division One basketball, but, but basically lead them to being a power in their league. You know, you look at it, Mount St. Mary, he, w- he was able to take them to the tournament twice. And, uh, and you know, the, his backup point guard uh, in his final two years at Mount St. Mary's uh, was Jadian Christian. And uh, Milan Brown was his, uh, was his assistant. Milan was the coach that followed him. And uh, Milan uh, now is an assistant at Pittsburgh. And then uh, after two years uh, with Coach Burke, who was a former uh, Georgetown assistant, uh, it was uh, Janian that came on and kind of turned them out around. And now Dan Engelstad is the new coach. And Dan is a guy that was an assistant in the Milan Brown era uh, when they went to the tournament in 2008. So it's, you know, it's a smaller school, uh, but this is really a family affair. <laughs> you know, when you look at it, yeah. even through the administration at the Mount, uh, the Phelan genes are there. Jim Phelan's daughter is the athletic director at Mount St. Mary's. And, uh, and and obviously, you know, the Mountain is a, is a school that, that, once again, is in the Northeast Conference. You're not going to see an NEC team go on and win the national title. But the reality of it is that uh, is that making the tournament means so much to the Mount. And uh, it's pretty incredible that they've, they've done it five times, a school of that size. Yeah, well, even the bigger schools, um, uh, Georgetown knows all about being a family affair, I think. It's pretty fair to say. Um, <laughs> you know it. You know it. <laughs> Um, so for those of those listeners that have never really been to Mount St. Mary's, what's sort of, what's sort of like a place that you would have to go? I, I don't think Georgetown's ever going to oh. make a road trip and play away to Mount St. Mary's. I believe they were, <laughs> they went there in like the fifties. I think they were there in the fifties a right. couple times. You're right. But, um, so. Yeah, I mean, Georgetown and the Mount, because of the Catholic background, have played yeah. so many times in the past. But, you know, the Mount, when they open Not Arena, which is their gym, and the cool thing about Not Arena is it kind of has a, a, talking about a Big East school, it kind of feels like a smaller butler. What is that arena called? Hinkle Fieldhouse? Is that right? It is. Um, And for whatever reason, Georgetown is ridiculously successful there. Yeah, you know, but, you know, the old barn-like feel. Yeah. I mean, kind of like a Hoosiers thing. I mean, you walk into Not Arena, and this is the great thing about the Mount, is that it's a 3,000-seat arena. And they average over 2,000 fans per game. So when they have a bad crowd, it's half full. And when they have a, you know, half the games are basically, you know, a full house. Uh, and, and that place rocks. I mean, it, it, it is absolutely crazy. And when the Mount played, the, the other thing I love about the NEC is that in the Northeast Conference, you play the tournament at the higher-seeded home locations and i love that for the smaller schools where you're in a one bid league and if you're the number one seed you get to play at home throughout your tournament you know and uh, well yeah and it's it's to the advantage of the league to try and push through the better team to give them the best shot at that upset 
There's no doubt about it. That you know, one time the league went to a neutral site, the NEC, for two or three years, and then in an eight, you know, an eight-team tournament, the Mount won as a six seed, uh, and everyone was like, hey, you know, I don't know about that anymore. That was in 1999. Right. So, so Mount St. Mary's in 2017 uh, was a one seed that went through and and won the tournament, and it was just it was one of the great nights of my career to be there. At that gym, three quarters of the gym is at Not Arena is, is general admission seating. So an hour and a half before the game, three quarters of the arena was completely full because everybody wanted to get their seat. And I mean, it was just it was an unbelievable atmosphere. So, <laughs> so most Georgetown it's a, fans, it's a special place. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Um, I'm definitely oh, very. One last thing, Bobby. When you go up to Emmitsburg, Emmitsburg, okay. the town is known for the national firefighter uh, monument. There's a, there's a thing honoring fallen firefighters, a big, okay. uh, you know, a, a big statue. Of course, it's like the last town in Maryland. So if you're going to Gettysburg, Gettysburg on 15 North is the first town in Pennsylvania. Emmitsburg is the town before it. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I think really, I've driven through or at least near when I'm on my way to Syracuse, which is a place nobody exactly. wants to go. So there's a uh, there's a firefighter's bar, firefighter bar slash restaurant in downtown okay. Emmitsburg called the Ott House, O-T-T, the Ott House. I mean, like if you're a Mountie, as you call them, if you're a Mount St. Mary's grad, I mean, you, you've spent your fair share of time at the Ott House. That sounds like a place I would probably like to hang out at. <laughs> that, that sounds like up, right up my alley. Um, so Georgetown fans are going to want to know, how much help is Mountain St. Mary's going to do to Georgetown's RPI? Do you think that there's a chance they finish, they exceed expectations of their fifth or seventh place finish, or is that kind of about where you think they're going to end up? You know, it's most likely everybody kind of has the same four in the NEC and the three or four you okay. know, teams I've looked at. And then, so the Mount would be kind of like in that next tier. But the reality is that once again, Mount St. Mary's was so young. They were starting four freshmen, uh, three freshmen and two sophomores last year, and they finished the year four and two. And one of the games they lost was just a heartbreaker, in which they led the entire game and lost at the buzzer at home against Wagner. So, you know, can they pick up from where they left off uh, in conference play? Uh, they, they've got two good-looking freshmen, but I, I really think that the team is going to be focused on, you know, the, the three or four players that we've talked about before. Uh, okay. They've got some good depth, though. I mean, they're going to go eight to ten deep, so they're, you're going to see a lot of guys play. And uh, what, what I'm seeing here is that usually in the NEC, a top NEC team uh, is usually in the 180 to 210 range yeah. in, in Ken Palm. Uh, and right now, Mount St. Mary's, you know, 353 teams. There, Ken Palm has them 256, and uh, I think the Matt Norlander piece have them 300. So it's a pretty big difference. But you know, the hope is that the Mount can be a team that can push and and be. I think the the goal is not just to make the NEC tournament, but if you're a top four seed, you get a home game. And if they can get a home game in the NEC tournament this year, that would be an enormous accomplishment. And if they do that, they'll be a top 250 team. Yeah, I think basically for these bigger schools and Georgetown in particular in the first two years of viewing, mainly the first year is just trying to avoid playing those sub 300 teams. So, and I I think the first year, I know it was, you know, I think the Mount went 18 and 14, but 
when that season started, the Mountain was one of the top three non-conference opponents for Ewing in that in in that in in that uh, first year. So how crazy is that? Yeah, so just stay on the right side of 300, and I think everyone will be pretty happy. Um, well, the Mountain will have a good strength of schedule. You know, we talked about before, they're going to play Kentucky. They'll play Washington. And, of course, Georgetown, they play UAB. Right. Uh, so they're going to play a lot of bigger schools here. They're playing Grand Canyon, which is a good team in the West. Surprisingly uh, good Grand play, Canyon with Dan Marley. You know it, Thunder Dan, still bringing it. Uh, that atmosphere apparently is unbelievable. They're going to play Utah Valley. That'll be the most random home game I'll ever broadcast in the Mountain. Mount St. Mary's versus Utah Valley at Not Arena. Uh, looking forward to that. Utah uh, Valley must be making it. They must be making a couple couple stops on that on that trip. <laughs> they are. It's it's this big. You know, it's kind of Kentucky's playing. You know, four teams at home, and then and uh, you know, so so Mount St. Mary's. You know, the Mount is, is going to have one of the games uh, at home, you know, uh, which is Utah Valley, and they're going to play all the others on the road. But but all in all, you know, Mount St. Mary's, compared to other NEC schools, most NEC schools and teams in the Patriot League and, and the MAAC, the MAC, you know, they'll play two or three big dogs a year, you know, money games as we call it. Yeah. Mount St. Mary's usually plays more. I mean, they, they usually play like – in the four to six range that one year we played eight or nine, but, uh, but you know, this year there will be a few more and, and all in all, uh, that's why the Mount very rarely goes into conference play with, you know, with, with a great record, but still in the end comes out as a team going into the tournament in their, in their best years with an overall record, you know, 18 and 14 or 17 and 15, largely because they lost, you know, they, they went either five and eight or four and nine in the non-conference. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to look at those schedules, but that's what those schools have to do. Um, Adam, I want to thank you for coming on. You've completely educated me as to Mount St. Mary's. You've given <laughs> me a new place that I can get a beer if I'm on my way to yes. Syracuse. Um, you can find him at Paul Adam on Twitter. That's P-O-H-L Adam. Um, thanks a lot for coming on. It was great. And uh, maybe and we'll get you on after. Georgetown. What's that? If Georgetown beats the Mount in yeah. the first round of the tournament this year. Remember that they're going to be cutting down the nets in 2021. Remember that. There's no way I will forget that stat. <laughs> Patrick Ewing might not need a, a ladder. He might uh, even with a sponsored ladder, right? The Warder ladder. He might not even need it. If you guys end up playing them in the tournament, I'll make sure to tell him that, and then he'll make sure to be very upset that I'm jinxing them. So, um... You know what's crazy? <laughs> a last, last note here is that you know, when the Mountain was playing well in that year that we played Georgetown two years ago, uh, we played a game in Pittsburgh, and uh, we blew out Robert Morris, and we knew we were going to be the two seed in our tournament, yeah. and we ended up losing in the tournament. But we knew if we won, they probably wouldn't put us in the first four, you know, for a second straight year. Right. And the, the first round game was going to be in Pittsburgh. We were talking about how there's a good chance we play Virginia in the first round in Pittsburgh, and unfortunately we didn't make it, and UNBC did instead. <laughs> Wow, that is it did, that that stat just can't can't elude you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> you know. Okay, so thanks for being on on Kente Corner again, everyone. You can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. Maybe we'll talk to Adam after the Hoyas game next week. Adam, thanks a lot, and uh, I'll see you Thank soon. Thank you, Bobby. All right, thanks. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye bye.